You're listening to The Gulf Stream, the official podcast of the Heart Research Institute for Gulf of Mexico Studies at Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi. You like going to the beach, you want to eat seafood, you like oysters, you like scallops, you like red snapper, then you want sharks in your ocean. Sharks keep the ocean in balance. Um, sharks not only eat prey items that are weak or keep you know, sick fish, which is what you learn in school. Sharks eat the sick fish. <laughs> they actually keep the next level in the food web in balance. Let's dive in. All right, Dr. Kesley Banks, thanks so much for joining us on the Gulf Stream. So devotees to the Gulf Stream will know that um, we're not in studio right now. Um, we had the awesome privilege to be at the Texas State Aquarium today, and I'll talk a little bit why about why we're here in just a second. But um, first, my name is Megan Radke. I'm the communications coordinator at Heart Research Institute, and I am the host of the Gulf Stream podcast. So Kesley, I just want to let you introduce yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do at HRI. So I'm a, a research scientist at the Sport Fish Center at HRI. Okay. So I study um, mostly HMS species, so highly migratory species, billfish, tuna, sharks. All right. Awesome. Well, so we're here for a couple of very, very special reasons. So we're shooting this episode um, as part of celebrating all things sharks, celebrating Shark Week um, that's going to be coming up at the end of July. Um, and so Texas State Aquarium, they're a great, great partner of ours, and we're very, very happy to be here. Um, they were gracious enough to let us shoot in front of this beautiful aquarium today. Um, and so while we're here, um, we're going to talk about sharks. We're going to have an opportunity to walk around and you can teach us and teach um, Texas State Aquarium visitors a little bit more about some of the shark species that they have here. Um, we'll go look at the O-Search exhibit and you can talk a little bit more about tagging and, you know, the benefits that, that tagging offers. Um, and then we're going to get to experience one of the exclusive encounters that the Texas State Aquarium offers guests. We're actually going to be in here. Um, we're going to get to snorkel um, with sharks. So pretty cool day. Um, so but before we get too far, too far into sharks, um, Kesley, I would like you just to kind of talk a little bit about a little bit about, about your background. So you're not from a coastal state, right? So what what drew you to wanting to study and focus your career on on marine species? Yeah, so I'm originally from Tennessee. We do not have modern day oceans. We do have ancient oceans. And so I'm the daughter of a geologist, marine geologist. So I grew up like uh, learning the, about fossils and, and the history of ancient oceans. Um, always been kind of interested in fish and sharks. And so my dad definitely sparked that interest in letting me kind of explore Megalodon and some of the fossilized um, shark teeth that he had. That was actually my my first shark memorabilia was a Megalodon tooth. Very cool. <laughs> so yeah. That's awesome. Have you always been an angler as well? I have. I started freshwater um, okay. bass fishing mostly. Obviously no salt water yeah. in, in Tennessee. But my dad did take me to the beach growing up. We had a lot of family vacations down in Alabama where my mom is from. And so we did a lot of surf fishing down there too. So I can tell you my first brackish water um, fish was a gar. Okay. And I did not appreciate that gar <laughs> when I was little. It came up and that that pretty much ended fishing for me for a couple of days. Oh no. I, it, it scared me. 
nowadays obviously play with little toothier creatures and not quite as scared yeah no i remember i remember when i was a kid um swimming in, in freshwater lakes and stuff like that for some reason my dad and my stepbrother had terrified me about gar and they i i don't know what it was but something about that image i was like nope not for me but now i recognize yeah, they're kind of creepy looking yeah it's like a mix between a very toothy snake and like a sea monster yeah 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 but so also when you were a kid, you showed me fairly recently um, some things that your mom had sent you, which I think is super mm. cool. I was I was kind of the same way when I was a kid. You she sent you some pictures of projects that you had done as yeah. a kid and, and they were about sharks, right? They were definitely about sharks. I have always been very interested in sharks. And so when you get to pick your school project, do your report or whatever, I always pick sharks if possible. And so my mom is currently cleaning out um, their house there my parents are retiring and moving so she's going through all my old stuff and she sent me a picture of a hammerhead project I had done I obviously got a hundred on it oh well, I would hope so <laughs> <laughs> from, but her caption was from a very early age this is exactly what you were meant to do oh so that's awesome yeah. I have very supportive parents I will say hey that's really it's very important so I do they do they worry about you and and some of the things that you you do for work yeah there's a, a lot bit. of do you have all your fingers and toes <laughs> <laughs> questions but yeah but yeah very supportive have always you know helped me get to where I need to be and, and given me opportunities so well so in one of those one of those projects you um had done as part of a science fair for mm -hmm. had something to do with the discovery channel right so coming full yeah. circle and you're you're now you know getting to be on shark week for the discovery channel that's that's pretty cool yeah yeah from an early stage i was definitely a nerd and, and participated in science fairs and i won a semi-finalist for the discovery channel award but I was a little too young to make it all the way to nationals. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, that's that's pretty pretty good full full circle uh, story there. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, you mentioned Sportfish Center. So that's a center for sportfish science and conservation at mm -hmm. Heart Research Institute. So let's talk a little bit about um, some of the work that you do there, um, and, and just you know, kind of give us a ten thousand foot view of of what you do. So I focus on habitat use of a variety of species, anything from inshore like flounder all the way to highly migratory like shortfin mako. Um, and most of my dissertation work focused on the shortfin mako and, and seeing their migration patterns and how they interact with artificial reefs and natural habitat in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. Okay. Very cool. And so I know that you also obviously are pretty involved in, in, you know, the, the tagging, um, programs and things that are going on in the Sportfish Center and mm -hmm. you work a lot with citizen scientists. So, yeah. um, tell us a little bit about, um, the role that citizen scientists play in some of the research that you do. Well, first and foremost, um, these guys are participating in research for, um, the, the resource. So citizen scientists, along with every other angler, own that resource. And so, especially at the Sport Fish Center, we like to make that very transparent. We think you as an angler should get to participate in not just the science, but the management process and see where that data is coming from and help collect it. So we partner with Sharkathon and Texas Shark Rodeo. Um, there's a group of anglers that participate in these tournaments. And part of that tournament, rather than have a harvest-based tournament, is a catch photo release. So they're able to tag, take um, genetic samples and, and provide that data that we otherwise would not be able to do. Wow. Um, 
I mean, they tag thousands of sharks a year. That's, you know, more manpower than we have or would be able to contribute to this project. Sure. Do you have kind of a ballpark of how many how many sharks through the years have been tagged through so, programs like that? They're up to over 10,000 sharks now tagged. Wow. Through just those two programs. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And then so if when they tag when they tag these sharks that they're catching in Sharkathon or Texas Shark Rodeo, um, and then, you know, perhaps another angler catches them at another point, you guys are able to use that data then to look at what? So um, these are, they're using passive tags. So they're not actively being tracked like you would see on like the O-Search website. Okay, gotcha. So these are tag recapture tags so once that tag is called back in we're able to see um, especially if the anglers measured it if there's a difference in growth so we can see a growth rate we can also see where that shark's been going and the seasonality so if that shark and a lot of our recaptures end up being really close to where they were tagged um, but they might be years apart so we can see that that shark's coming back to the same area year after year okay that's pretty awesome. That's you probably never would have. I mean, I, I never would have thought before coming to HRI that, you know, that data would be, you know, so helpful and so, you know, readily available to, to people. So how um, if a person wants to participate and wants to help out um, Sportfish Center with some efforts like that, how do they how do they get involved? We highly recommend that you go through Sharkathon or Texas Shark Rodeo if you would like to shark tag for us. If that's not something that you're interested in, um, then you can feel free to look at our website. We'll be happy to send you some tags. Cool. Very cool. All right, Kesley. So obviously me being the communications coordinator at HRI, you know, I help out with media and I kind of arrange interviews and stuff for you. And so especially, especially during Shark Week, um, you do a lot of interviews and you have mm -hmm. a lot of just awesome talking points that you tend to stick to. Um, and I think that they're really worth reiterating here because we're in a way trying to change, you know, some of the narrative and dispel some of the myths that I think people still hang on to about sharks. So, um, Sharks don't intentionally attack people, right? No. Jaws isn't real. <laughs> Jaws is not real. No, we're definitely not on the menu. Most interactions with sharks are um, bump and bite. So we're mistaken identity. It, the shark doesn't have fingers, doesn't have hands. So they explore with their nose and their mouth, their environment. And so um, most we say bites, not attacks. Right. Most bites happen because the shark's trying to figure out if you're we're on the menu, if we're what we are. Mm -hmm. And so they come up and they take a bite and swim away. That's why you don't often hear of sharks coming back right. after that bite. Right. So we're not on the menu. We're, we don't taste good. And when, I mean, you, you go in the water, whether you're angling, whether you're, you know, just, just playing in the surf, whatever it might be, you know, you're in their environment. Like You're that's something that you always say, like they, they can't, they can't get on land, um, in any way, shape or form. So, you know, um, something that you're asked a lot is like, what, what should people do? What should they be mindful of when they go in the water? Well, you should be aware that you are in their environment. Right. That is their home. Um, you should make sure not to wear flashy clothes, flashy clothes, make you look, um, or jewelry can look or mimic, um, prey item, a floundering fish or, you know, wounded fish or, or, or bird even on top of the water. And so um, you should also minimize how much splashing you do. I know everybody wants to get in the water and splash around, but sure. in the and there's a time and place for that. If you know there's a shark in the area, then you should just be aware. Also, don't swim next to someone that's fishing. Mm. Um, if you are the angler, don't throw out your line. If there's, you know, a ton of people 
swimming in that area, have a little bit of separation between those two events, those two um, activities. And then just dawn and dusk, water's not that clear, the sun's not shining, you know, mistaken identities happen when you can't see. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. staying out of the water at dawn or dusk. And it's highly okay. unlikely. It is highly unlikely. I have never been bit. And doing you work any with sharks. The, and I work with sharks. <laughs> doing any of the things that I do. So, so that says it, a lot. Yes, that says a lot. And and for me, I interact with them pretty regularly and mm -hmm. pretty invasively. Um, for us, we're tagging. So, you know, we're attaching tags with drills. We're taking muscle plugs. It's a, It can be an invasive process. And if we're not getting bit doing that, then... Yeah, the chance of just an encounter is just—it's not very good. It's not very, not very good. So let's let's talk about them. Let's talk a little bit more about the tagging process. So what does that? I, I mean, what does that look like from from start to finish? And how quickly are you having to? You know, you you've got a shark right up next to your boat or whatever it might be, and you're trying to attach a tag. Like, how quickly do you have to move to do that? We try to do that pretty quickly. The goal of the tagging procedure is to be as short as possible and, and to minimize stress on the animal. Um, we don't fish rod and reel. Uh, we predominantly fish buoy line. Um, so it's a commercial gear um, that's not available to recreational anglers. Um, we use a 1200 pound mono that allows us to bring in a shark pretty fast and get them up next to the boat. We keep our boat in lazy circles. That way we're keeping water pumping past the gills. Sharks are ram ventilators. They need to keep moving to, to breathe. And then once the shark is, is docile and is participating in the tagging process, then we start that process. Um, we don't work with any animal that's fighting us that just causes too much stress for the animal and puts people in danger. And that's just not good for anybody. Right. Um, for satellite tags, once the sharks next to the vessel we start taking measurements we take muscle plugs for um, stable isotopes toxicology and genetic samples um, then we'll also use a drill and we drill into the dorsal fin to attach the satellite tag it doesn't hurt the shark um, their dorsal fins made of cartilage so just like you clipping your nails mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. not the invasive part of the procedure and then they get this nice, pretty satellite tag that takes, you know, lets us track them wherever they go in the world. So that's that's pretty awesome. So you've got you've got the satellite tag, and you can see where they go. I mean, mm -hmm. what what kind of data as a like as a scientist, like you know, seeing their their migratory patterns and stuff, what does that tell you? That tells us a lot. So um, shark science is actually kind of in its infancy. We don't know where all the sharks go. We don't know where. You know, there's pupping grounds or mating grounds for certain species, shortfin mako being one of them. Um, in fact, until we started tagging shortfin makos in the western Gulf of Mexico, we didn't know there was a group that stayed in the Gulf all year round. We just assumed they were seasonal because that's when people caught them. And so with these satellite tags, we've been able to tell that there's actually kind of a couple of different meta populations or subpopulations. We have a group that goes up to New England every year. We have a group that goes down to the uh, Caribbean every year. And then we have a group that stays here in the Gulf of Mexico. Very cool. Very cool. And so I think probably when people get to see some of that data, you know, just the general public, like they can go on, what is, uh, what is our website? Uh, Meetoursharks.org. Yeah. So they can go see that data and they can see where sharks are traveling. So just, just little things like that from, mm -hmm. from that website to coming here to the Texas State Aquarium and, you know, seeing these sharks swim by, like, think those exhibits and those things can help people understand sharks a little more and kind of grow to 
just care a little bit more about them and love them and recognize that they are important. So um, talk a little bit about why sharks are so important to um, our ocean and, and coastal ecosystems. Well, if you enjoy the ocean in any shape or form, you like going to the beach, you want to eat seafood, you like oysters, you like scallops, you like red snapper, then you want sharks in your ocean. Sharks keep the ocean in balance. Um, sharks not only eat prey items that are weak or keep, you know, sick fish, which is what you learn in school. Sharks eat the sick fish. <laughs> they actually keep the next level in the food web in balance. And so many shark species are apex or mesopredators and they eat the next level which keeps everything else in balance without having that next level in balance you you throw everything below that out of whack and so you end up with reefs that are more algal based rather than coral reef based and so if you like pretty coral reefs in florida you want sharks otherwise they look very green yeah yeah so what what is it about sharks then to you, just you personally, that you you know fell so in love with them and that you wanted to make them such a big part of your career? There's such a mystery, to be honest. That's a good reason. I mean, you look at them and you see this huge apex predator. I mean, some of these guys are six, seven feet. Some of the makos we've tagged have been 10, 12, 13 wow. foot. We don't know where a 13 foot shark swims. Yeah. Yes, yeah. in the ocean. Ha -ha. Sure, sure, right. <laughs> to any in the ocean. But where do they go? Where are they giving birth? Where are they mating? We have no idea. And they're, but we can tell you all about these little bugs and these mm -hmm. little rodents and, and mammals on land, but not in the ocean. We can't tell you where a 13 foot Mako goes. Yeah. It's just the mystery of it all. That's really amazing. And that I think that's kind of a good, um, just all encompassing, like, that's why the ocean is so interesting. And that's why, you know, um, and that's friend. why this guy is very interesting. <laughs> because because we, we have this underwater world with creatures like this and like these sharks and like these rays that, you know, we don't know a lot about. And so it's just, it's up to, you know, research institutes like like heart to um come in and, and take a look at that and explore that because there's just so much so much mystery under under the water and um i think it's it's very cool that you know you're able to do that and that people are able to come you know to the texas state aquarium and kind of see some of that because i think people need to need to see things and be able to you know in some situations touch things and be near things to recognize mm -hmm. and start to relate to them and and love them right Yes, yes. Yeah. Fun fact, Texas State Aquarium was one of the first funding sources for our, our satellite tagging oh, program. Oh, okay. Yes, it actually started in conjunction with the Texas State Aquarium. Another full full circle. Full circle. <laughs> so, let's talk let's talk a little bit about Shark Week. So, you'll be on Shark Week. I will. Yes. This this year, um and so this isn't your first appearance on it Discovery Channel Shark no. Week. So, you're 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 just a, a star at this point. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> So, is there is there anything that you can tell us that you're, you know, particularly excited about with this episode? Like where you guys went, anything like that? So, this we are this week, this year, the episode will be based out of California. So we were around Catalina Island, which is known to have big white sharks and big makos. 
we focus obviously on Makos. That's what we study here in the Gulf. And so there is some comparison to Gulf Makos. Um, I will say that Makos in the Pacific can get a lot bigger than the ones here in the <laughs> So Gulf. the way you said that, it seems like you maybe experienced it. We might, we might have experienced it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So everybody will just have to wait everybody and, just and tune and in watch. then. Yeah. All right. All right. And then, so I think it starts the, the week of July 23rd, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. All right. Well, we're super excited about that. And, and I really hope that, you know, this, this episode will get people, um, you know, not just excited for shark week, but just get people more excited about sharks in general and, yes. and recognizing how incredible and how beautiful they are. And so do you have, do you have a favorite shark that I always thought it would be a hammerhead. Even oh, my okay. first dog, the dog you adopt in college when you're not sure, really allowed yeah. to have a dog in I your apartment, one of those. Mm-hmm. named after the great hammerhead. We called her Mocarin. It's actually Mocarin in Latin, but no one can say that at the vet. So Mocarin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but honestly, when I got to Texas and really started my dissertation research, just, you know, the short, short fin mango won out. Just we know so little about the short fin mako compared to hammerhead species that I think it I think it beat it out. Give us a little short fin mako fun fact. Well, they can breach and they will breach right next to the boat. <clears throat> Maybe watch the episode. <laughs> that you so do. They're not shy. They're, they're not, not shy. camera shy. No. Okay. And and at all sizes they breach. So, you know, a 13 foot mako can jump just as high as a, a two foot mako. Wow. And so why, why would they, why would they be doing that? Just some of that is, um, hunting. So that's a strategic stealth move. They come up from the bottom to get their prey. Other times that's just trying to shake the hook. If you're, if they're, hooked. Oh, they're okay. just trying to get off the line. I gotcha. Well, Kesley, yeah. any, any other, any other shark facts, anything you want to leave our listeners and viewers with that they should know, or you want them to know about sharks? The Gulf of Mexico has a pretty healthy shark population. And I think that's something that is interesting, not just to recreational anglers, but to people in general. Um, people starting to encounter sharks more as they fish, um, which is interesting in and of itself. But that's a changing baseline view for, for anglers because we didn't have always have such a healthy shark population. And so people getting to encounter and and see these animals up close is is kind of unique and shows that they're starting to rebound. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. We want to awesome. keep want to keep everything in balance like you yes. said. So. All right. Well, Kesley, thank you so much for thank joining you. us on this very special episode of the Gulf Stream. So, um I think we got to go get changed because we're we're going to we're going to see we're these guys swim up close. With these guys. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Kesley. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, consider contributing to a greater gulf by visiting heartresearch.org. That's H-A-R-T-E research.org.